0: Hello and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nike Anani and I am your host. Here on The Connected Generation, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy businesses, how to build businesses and wealth that would outlive the founders and have sustained impact not only over time but also over space. And we have these conversations with genuine authenticity curiosity, and vulnerability. This week, I was joined by Julie Keys, who is a fascinating, incredible lady. She's the founder and owner of Key Strategies, and has been an entrepreneur the majority of her life. And having been an entrepreneur of several businesses, she understands what keeps owners up at night, and the balancing act required to work both in and on the business, Her firm is an advisory firm for entrepreneurs looking to grow and improve their businesses. But also, she provides critical exit planning and transition services, which is so, so, so important. And so we spoke a lot about that. How do you prepare the owner and the business for a future exit? How do you build enterprise value today so you can exit on your own terms tomorrow? A great episode that accompanies this theme really well, actually, on second thought, there are two episodes that accompany this theme very well are two. First is episode 102, The Seller's Journey with Denise Logan, where she speaks about to business owners, selling a business is more than a transaction. It's really about emotional transition, and she unpacks that in depth and another one that I really loved was with Alan Millam episode 93 transitioning retiring from the family business and the third act of life so I encourage you to listen to these three episodes as a trio and enjoy hi Julie welcome to the connected generation it's awesome to have you today thank you Nika I
1: appreciate you having me on the show
0: yeah so it's great um so you work with entrepreneurs and business owners providing exit planning and transition services. But before we unpack that, I'd love to learn more about how did you get to where you are today? What's Julie's story?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, you know, as it is with a lot of professional advisors, I think that we find ourselves in some kind of a, on some kind of a path. That, that maybe got us there because our own experience, experience wasn't so good and we really wanted to help other people have a better experience, a better outcome. Mm. And so that would be the case with me. Um, lifelong entrepreneur, owned many companies um, in different locations with employees and um, didn't have the best transition experience when that occurred. That mm. was um, in 2010. And I was married at the time. We owned the business together. And so um, it was kind of a trifecta of um, adversity that got us to that point. Um, And our marriage ended. And so it was kind of a lot all at once. But on top of it all, I really didn't have the best advisors helping me through the process because most professional advisors don't understand the process of exit planning very well. And so Mm. you can't really advise to something that you don't understand. Mm. And so I fast forward, uh, became a business consultant, started working with business owners, um, acquired clients who needed exit planning help, and realized I needed to know more about it myself. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: then I became a certified exit planning advisor in 2015. And so since then, um, my foot forward with my consulting business is exit planning, whether it's an internal or external transition for the business owner. Um, Some are family owned businesses, some are not. Um, But they all have the common goal of being able to exit on their own terms and not someone else's. And the process of doing that is kind of complicated and time consuming. And Mm. um, many owners wait too long to get it going. So that's how I got into the work that I do now. It's kind of a mission, if you will.
0: Well, I love it. I really love it. And I'd love for you to unpack what was challenging about transitions? So you alluded to the fact that transitions are challenging. Um, can you just share perhaps from your personal experience or from mm-hmm. folks that you're serving, what is it about transition that advisors don't really understand or even those that are going through it don't really understand?
1: Well, I think for me, it would have been very helpful to have at least one of my advisors say to me and my husband, okay, Here's what you can expect to happen during the process of the sale. Here are the questions that are going to be asked of you. Here's what due diligence looks like. No one said anything like that, and we didn't really have legal counsel like we should have. My husband at the time was an attorney, um, is an attorney, and uh, but not an M and A attorney. He you know practiced real estate law, so but he didn't think that we needed anybody because he figured he could handle it himself, which you know, proved to be not true. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, and our accounting firm was not helpful and they should have been. Now that I know what I know, um, we should have been able to lean on them quite a bit um, just through, you know, pre-due diligence, if nothing else, which is a term that I could talk about a little bit. And then, you know, I'm seeing a lot of kind of the same situations with my clients and, you know, not having proper advisory, um, waiting too long to get the process started so what happens then is they end up having themselves back into backed into a corner I um, know mm. no one wants that right but but if you don't have any time to take action there's only one way out you know mm. who wants that right but but that really does happen for privately held company owners because they don't understand, what the process is and and their advisors are not helping them through that process. So Mm. anyway, I'm about to change
0: that. Yeah, no, I have many, many questions. You mentioned your accounting firm wasn't particularly helpful with pre due diligence. Can you elaborate?
1: Yeah, I think that it would have been really helpful for them to just sit down with us, help us normalize our financials. I mean, you know, we were a small husband and wife owned business Mm. and the smaller companies tend to have, you know, kind of an overlap and some personal expenses that really shouldn't be paid for by the business. You know, um,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: could go into detail, but that's very common. And I'm sure that if there are small business owners out there listening, they know what I'm talking about. So when we say normalize, it's like, all right, we need to take these, these items off of the business P and L and flow them over to your personal P and L. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you don't need to um, have, you know, your season tickets always paid for by the business, like part, part of it could be, right? But is it always a client that you're taking? The answer is no. Mm-hmm. So examples like that, um, you know, the cleaning lady that cleans your house also cleans the offices, which was true. Uh, we should have just had, you know, whatever that was split, that cost of, you know, paying her just for the office, we should have split it out, but we didn't. We just wrote her one check and the business mm-hmm. paid for everything. So those are the kinds of things that I see business owners do. Um, If it's easier, it's, you know, a write-off, whatever. So there's that. Um, The accounting firm could have also been really helpful in um, giving us an idea of what our enterprise value was at the time. Mm. Instead of us just taking, you know, our representative's word for it. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, let's just say Most privately held company owners, when they think about selling their business, there's a lot of emotion tied up in that. And for most of them, not all, but for most of them, it's one of, if not the largest financial decision that they'll ever make. And for most company owners, when they're thinking of selling, they really only have one shot at doing it right. Sometimes you get a second bite of the apple if you're going to go private equity. That's another conversation. But for most, it's just one shot. And for most, they only do it once. Mm. So with all of that at risk, with all of that at risk, the, the advisors to the owners really need to be on top of their game and know what their clients need. Because if, if a business doesn't transition well the ripple effect of that is not good. Mm. It isn't just that the owners don't get what they want, neither do their families. What about the employees and their families, their vendors, their customers, their community, Mm. you know, where they do business? It affects the, you know, the local economy, the national economy, state economy. Um, And then, of course, it affects the book of business of the advisor. Mm. If your clients don't transition well, you just lost a client. Right. Um, And if it's going to be an internal transition, then let's see what we could do to retain that client and work with whoever the successors are. That's Mm. kind of another missed mark. And I bring it up not to necessarily help the advisors out there who are listening, but to help the business owners out there who are listening, because this is this is about them. Right. And making sure that they have good people on their team. And Mm. um, so I see that a lot. And, and so that's an example of, of how they could have stepped up and done a better mm-hmm. job.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's a very high stakes decision that's yeah. fraught with emotion. And you so. said for, for most SMEs, this opportunity usually comes just once. Um, and I guess just taking a step back, um, you also mentioned that um, a lot of folks wait too long before they get the process started, Mm -hmm. knowing what you know now, what would you love to, you know, educate the Julie's 10 years ago? Um, What can they be doing differently with the gift of time horizon and the gift of your wisdom and experience?
1: Good question. I think that the first thing that business owners need to do is to make sure that the relationships they have with their professional advisors are are solid, that they meet on a regular basis, that these advisors know and understand business transition well, um, or someone in their firm that they can consult with and work with. Sometimes that's the case in a law firm or or a or an accounting firm where maybe the 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 advisor assigned to your account isn't necessarily the expert in whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish. Maybe we're trying to go ESOP and Mm. and you need someone in the firm who has that expertise. As long as there's someone in the firm that has the expertise that can at least speak to it, that can answer your questions, that can help you to look at what your options are and what they're not. Um, The sooner you have those relationships established, um, the easier it's going to be for you to, get to the finish line, whenever the finish line is. Mm. It is an emotional decision. And I'm dealing with, um, I have a new client right now who actually just scheduled his third open heart surgery for October. Mm -hmm. And every time he goes in, he doesn't know if he's going to come out. And so he hired me recently to, um, at the request of his, his interim CFO, who knew me. Um, so right now what we're doing is we're working on contingency planning and making sure that the business can continue to operate while he's going through his recovery period. Um, he didn't have a relationship with a financial advisor. Now Mm. that is also a very common pitfall with entrepreneurs because let's face it, most of their assets are tied up in their business not always, you know, some are diversified, which is smart, but not everybody is. You'd think that this guy would be though, right? Because he has a very valuable business. It's a multimillion dollar business. Um, But he divided his assets between what his business is worth and his real estate. And he has a lot of real estate holdings, but he's got no one really directing him and helping him keep his financial house in order and plan for the future. And so, I don't normally start my relationships like this with my clients, but given the situation, we, we had to meet with some financial advisors and, and then he just, you know, chose him and his wife chose someone that they thought would be a great fit for their Mm. firm and, and get the planning started. Um, And so that if something did happen to him, that his wife would have someone to talk to and help, you know, guide her financially, right. Make Mm. decisions financially and, um, and then, of course, you know, aside from that, we also um, are working with his attorney, his estate planning attorney, and, and getting that updated. And so a lot of these things, a lot of these things really need to happen sooner, right? Mm. But so many times business owners wait until there's some kind of a triggering event. And for this person, it was his health. You know, for someone else, it might be, um, I have another client, their, their partnership was splitting up. Um, it needed to, okay, without going into a lot of detail, it needed to split up. And, and, um, it took a long time to unravel that. And one of the reasons why it took such a long time is because they got bad advice when they had their buy-sell agreement drafted. Mm -hmm. The buy-sell agreement literally stated that the two of them had to make decisions unanimously or they wouldn't make any changes. So why, (laughs) why would the partner that we're trying to buy out, you know, agree? Yeah, you need to buy me out. He—that's—it was—it um, was kind of sticky. So, so if you have time to to um, kind of give yourself an audit in all of these areas, right? Mm. To be able to right the wrongs. Um, many times, there's been a lot that's been undone. You know, business owners are so busy working, head down in the business. You know, trying to grow and improve, and you know, create profit. Um, but that the big picture things and the things of the future go on the back burner and then they end up staying there until something happens. Mm. So my goal mm. is to try to get them through all of this before something happens so that we can move freely and, and then they've got a lot more options.
0: I'd love to unpack that a bit more. But before then, I, I was just thinking um, for a lot of business owners, they may be um, reluctant to engage advisors for costs and maybe yes. like your ex-husband we can do this ourselves we've got the skill set can you speak more to um and yeah can you speak more to folks that are that mm-hmm. way inclined because a lot of entrepreneurs have high levels of self-belief are very um tenacious very what's the word I'm looking for they're very um, resourceful, um, very <laughs> scrappy, right? Right. We right. can we can figure Trail it out. Trailblazers, yeah, yeah. Trailblazers, yeah, and yeah. Can you just speak to the mm-hmm. dangers of taking that approach? Yes,
1: um, even in situations where business owners are savvy and they understand what they need, and they've done a lot of research, reading, maybe they've had some you know, colleagues that have gone through the process. And so they think that they know how to go about a lot of it themselves. The problem is that when they do that, then they take their foot off the gas of of the business, right? So you really can't DIY the exit planning process and Mm. run, continue to run your business and grow your business. If you're going to be selling it internally or externally, it doesn't matter. You really want to hand over the reins to a business that's not only well-oiled but also that's growing and profitable and cash flows Mm. and it's tough to keep your eye on both so Mm. having someone else you know take over for you help you through the process quarterback the process which is what i do um it it helps the owner to be able to rest easier and do what they do best and to your to your comment about fees yeah it's expensive Mm-hmm. It is expensive to hire all these advisors. And when you wait until the last minute and then you have all kinds of catch up work to do, it costs even more mm-hmm. because then you're doing it all at once. And so if you could do it over time, if you had two or three years and, uh, you know, you, you establish these relationships or change the ones that you have, maybe you don't even need to do that. Um, but to get these people engaged, you know, in some kind of cadence so they're not all at once. And doing it according to priority, like uh, for instance the um, buy sell agreement that I talked about—that you know was poorly drafted, something like that—that that could be redrafted and done. You know that that that's that's a pretty high priority item, right? That would mm. that would be something I call a red flag. Mm. Um, and and if we really don't know what the value of the business is, but we know that when the business does transition that that is our nest egg, then we really need to know now what the business is worth. We can't really wait, you know, to get that valuation work done. So, um, those are the kinds of priorities that I'm thinking, you know, that, um, if you do them in, in steps, then it's not so devastating. The thing is when you don't have competent advice, what are you leaving on the table?
0: Mm.
1: What are you leaving on the table?
0: Great question.
1: A lot. Mm. And not only that, um, you're probably going to pay more in taxes because you probably didn't hire the right tax professional to help you plan. Mm. Very important. And you cannot do your tax planning after the liquidity event. It's got to be before. Mm. So those are just some examples. Mm. Hopefully I'm not scaring people to death here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk a little bit more about the role that you play. So you're the certified exit planner. And you help folks in weighing up options. And you also mentioned that you quarterback. But let's talk through the options that are typically available to business owners. And how do you help them?
1: Sure. Well, when it comes to determining the options, um, many times an owner has it in their head, um, or owners have it, that they want to go a certain path. Um, and then upon, you know, developing knowledge of that particular path and research and, and hiring people to help them figure it all out, they, they come to the conclusion that it's really not the path. Mm. Um, not always, but many times they do. Say, for instance, um, you, you're a family-owned business. I know you work with lots of them. Mm-hmm. And you've likely run into this numerous times where the founders of the business, first gen, or maybe they're the second gen, really want to pass the legacy on and they've got family members that they've you know indicated in their head who they think should be the successors Mm -hmm. Um, and then you find out that the successors are you know maybe not interested or maybe they're not qualified or both so then what do you do right Mm -hmm. so those kinds of conversations as you know need to happen early and often Um, If it's a management team, I've had this come up a lot, like the last year or so, where the owners didn't have a family member that they felt comfortable transitioning the business to, but they had key leaders in the business that they thought deserved to be the successor. Mm. And, yeah, and so most of the time what happens then is that, you know, Figuring out how to structure that so that they can actually acquire the financing to be able to buy the business can be really problematic. And um, it doesn't mean that it can't be done because it can. But but if you have a listener out there who's got a management team that they really want to sell to, then that is a transition plan that needs to occur and evolve and be implemented over time. Um, what happens many times when, you know, your buyers don't have any money kind of situation is, um, you, you start an equity account for them, Mm. you know, you, you can pay them a bonus. And then instead of paying them the cash bonus, you know, that goes towards the purchase of stock, it goes into a specific account and there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. But then once they've got a a certain position, then, then they're more bankable. Mm. Um, and then there's private equity money out there and private investor money too to help structure those. Um, so, um, quarterbacking the, um, you know, transition plan, whether it's internal or external, like I said, does take a lot of time. And as far as path goes, if I, it seems that the business has more options, like mm-hmm. say, for instance, we were talking about a professional services firm and the professional services firm has some long time Rainmaking advisors who have been on the team um, and done a great job and really helped build the business maybe it's an accounting firm maybe it's an architectural firm maybe it's um, an engineering firm doesn't have to be i'm just picking on professional services right now but they make great esop candidates so if an employee stock ownership plan seems like a good option for you because you know, you want to carry on the legacy, you want to reward the people who are actually working in the firm and have helped you build it up. Um, You've got low debt, um, high, you know, highly compensated people, cash in the bank, those are all really good uh, criteria for ESOP. And then if it sounds interesting to you, and it's it's expensive to run, but it can be a really great benefit for tax savings, um, then you really want to meet with someone to talk about what that looks like. So um, those are kinds of things that I I, um, I really talk through with my clients, and I think many times you ask them what they really want, like what do they want to do after the fact, or do they want to stay on? And they don't always know for yeah. sure because they haven't done it before. So then I, I guess I like to start then with um, you know what what do you what do you not want? Right. Mm. Start. Let's start with the process of elimination and start with what you know you don't want for sure, and then maybe we can back into what your options might be.
0: I love that. Um, Quite often I say that, you know, the reticence, we often grapple with founders having a difficult time letting go of their businesses. And that reluctance can often be as a result of not having a compelling, clear vision of their future life. Absolutely. That gets them energized and that they're excited about. And it takes time to build that vision. So I love what yeah. you said in terms of eliminate options because it can feel crippling when you have, gosh, I could do X, Y, Z, and I can move countries, and I can do, you know. <laughs> right. So if you eliminate options, it actually frees yeah. up that mental yes. load. Yeah,
1: definitely, definitely. And you're so right about the emotional attachment. Um, yeah, I mean, I lived, I lived that myself. Um, you know, many times. People think, well, it's just the men that get attached to their businesses. Women really don't, and that's not true.
0: Not true. Um,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, I was, uh, I remember that. Got, I remember the call, um, and I'd gotten other calls, you know, from other, other parties interested through my my broker. Um, but this particular call, I remember where I was. I remember where I was standing. I remember how I felt, and and he just said, he said, Julie, this you got to look at this offer. He said this is better than the one that we just got in. He goes, we can compare the two, but he says, I think this is probably the best offer I've seen. And then he went into the details and I hardly heard anything he said because I was, I was so like, you know, stuck in my own head about what am I going to do? You know, I'm Mm. too young. I have to keep working.
0: I just Mm. knew I didn't
1: want to be in this business anymore. And and then i realized that i was starting to like reel it back in right mm. um buyer's remorse maybe you call it seller's remorse and i think it's real if mm. you don't have a plan for what's next that um sellers can sabotage their own their own transaction
0: powerful are you familiar with denise logan's book a seller's a seller's journey no but i'm going to write that down yeah so she i'm going to connect the two of you very similar. So she also went through the sale of her business and found it quite challenging, mm-hmm. and found that advisors around her just were not um, as empathetic and focused mm. on the long term, but really transactional. Yes. And now her life's mission is like you to Sherpa business owners through their exits. And so she wrote this book, and it's nonfiction it's based on a business owner that is looking to sell and let go of their business. And it's really interesting. I'd recommend you, you reading it and I'd love to connect the two of you. I'm sure you That'd have be great. an interesting conversation. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I would love
1: to. And yes, yeah. I will definitely get that book.
0: Yeah.
1: Definitely get that book.
0: You mentioned that the process can be quite long. What mm. can that look like? Obviously, you know, how long is a piece of thread, but, um, like what can that process actually look like Mm -hmm.
1: well i like to uh kind of compartmentalize a little bit when it comes to the process so that it it isn't so daunting so because there's so much to it um like say for instance if if i could call it the discovery gate right we're going to go through a process of discovery There's going to be some assessments. Well, what are we assessing? Well, we're assessing a lot. We have to figure out where we are right now before we can figure out where we're going. And so we need to know what the value of the business is. We need to know where the uh, business owners sit in terms of personal financial preparedness. You know, getting to know um, financial advisors if they don't have a relationship already. One of the first things a financial advisor is going to ask an owner is, what's your business worth? because that's gonna be part of the planning process, right? Like how much longer do I have to work? How much longer do I have to wait to sell my business and I have to sell it for X, right? Those kinds of of things need to be determined instead of just this wondering wonder of what I do next. Unfortunately, it seems like what a lot of owners do, Um, but they do need to know, maybe they're afraid to know. Anyway, so value, um, financial preparedness, And then, you know, kind of going through and talking about the business itself, how transferable is it, right? How dependent is it on the owners? How dependent is it on key people? Are the key people formally retained? You know, do we have employment agreements and um, are they paid well? Do we have anyone that we're thinking about grooming to be a successor, you know, figuring that out. Who, who are those people? Do we need to assess them for strengths, weaknesses, leadership skills? Uh, many times we do. And so that whole discovery process can take six months, probably, um, sometimes longer, but usually six months. Sometimes we need to get a legal audit done because they haven't gotten their legal house in order for a long time. Many owners haven't even really talked to their lawyer since the inception of the business. And, you know, do we need to uh, create some minutes, you know, corporate minutes for um, board meetings that we've had, you know, you want to kind of get those things caught up, right? Do we have contracts and licenses that are expired? Do we have um, other agreements and and things that, you know, that would have language in them that would preclude us from being able to sell, you know, um, any kind of warranties or anything that would preclude um, us from being able to, actually have a good smooth transition. So um, so we would have that. And then, then there's the gate that I call prepare. And so we're in this um, area for a year, sometimes longer, a year and a half, two years. I have clients I've worked with for six years. And um, they didn't start out with exit planning conversations. They just started out with, you know, I want to grow and improve and I need help with uh, strategic development and, and implementation. And so the prepare um uh, time frame is about taking the findings from the discovery and then making a plan of action so there's we're beginning to start planning for the transition we're also um, updating the strategic plan Uh, regardless if you're selling internally or externally you really want to set the new owners up for success right When you have a strategic plan and you can prove that it's been implemented and you're in growth mode, that makes you much more attractive, you know, on the market. Uh, And then if it's going to go to a family member, we want to set them up for success. If it's going to go to a management team and we as the seller are going to be part of that upside, we for sure want to set them up for success because we don't always sell it all at once when it's going to go internally, right? Sometimes it has to go in pieces. Um, And if we're going to be part of the upside, we want to make sure that, uh, that they're that, that, that it's well-oiled. So um, strategic planning and implementation, continuing to um, bring in other advisors. Sometimes, you know, there's different areas in the business, as you know, um, that are broken. Um, it seems to me that human resources recruiting and retention is really taking center stage everywhere right now. And, um, you know, it used to be kind of an afterthought, um, but now HR is right there in the middle, right there in front. And um, so having good relationships with recruiters and good relationships with people who can advise the people internally on making sure that we have good policies and procedures in place is very important. Um, Another area that I find to be um, totally disjointed is marketing. And, you know, many times the website needs to be updated. So what I'm talking about here is I'm helping the business owner to actually grow enterprise value while we're working together. Many times they have to grow enterprise value. We find out that their EBITDA is a certain number and it Mm. it isn't where it needs to be. And so all of these things that we're working on um, will grow the value of the business. And Mm. maybe not as fast as we'd like, but it still gives them a better foot forward. And then we get to the decide gate. And we go through that gate, and then it's time to, you know, make a decision: Are we going to keep the business? Are we going to sell the business? Are we going to sell part of the business? At that point, the owners are much more educated, and they understand what their options are. And sometimes they get um, rejuvenated and feel excited again about their business, and uh, and decide to stay on. So that that's the process.
0: Powerful. Um. Very helpful. And you mentioned that you quarterback back the advisors as part of your role. Mm -hmm. Um, Who are the advisors that you're typically working with? Mm -hmm. And what tips would you give to other advisors that are serving, um, you know, entrepreneurs through their exits, any resources or tools, techniques?
1: Mm -hmm. Good question. So I'd have to say that the inner circle of, the collaborative team. And I say collaborative with a capital C because there's no single advisor, whoever has all the answers when it comes to exit planning. And we really do need each other. We we need the MA attorneys. We need the estate planning attorneys. We need the accountants. We need the valuation firms. Um, sometimes the accounting firm will do the valuation, but many times it'll go elsewhere so that it's um, third party. And we need the financial advisors. So those are the the core people. Um, Alongside them, we would have the insurance agent. Uh, Many times the insurance um, policies are outdated, um, coverage is inadequate, and um, sometimes we even have buy-sell agreements that aren't funded. And so, you know, we have to do that kind of work too. And then the bankers can be very helpful as well. it's nice to know if we're with a bank that would be willing to do a loan on the business for a new buyer. You know, if they're going to go with conventional financing with a bank and they're not going private financing, then knowing what the bank would look for, even if they end up going elsewhere, um, mm. is super helpful. And, and them, you know, knowing like what we should do to prepare from their standpoint, whether they do the loan or mm. not. So I think that that would be the core. And then if we know we're going to go external, um, Establishing a relationship with a mergers and acquisitions advisor, an intermediary, um, investment banker, someone like that who does the deal, um, that's, I think it's super important because if opportunity knocks and we have no relationship with someone like that, we could lose mm-hmm. the opportunity. If something happened, right? Um, mm-hmm. some kind of issue, triggering event, someone got sick or someone died and we need to sell, unfortunately, that does happen. And having someone that we know already that's familiar with our business makes all the difference. So um, I look for people in that role who are interested in a relationship. Not all of them are. Most of them, many, I should say most, but many of them are just transaction minded. They just want to do the deal and move on. Um, But there are others who who are interested in meeting and knowing the client well in advance um, for that reason. So so that's the core. Um, And what was the other part of your question? I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, if you've got um tools, techniques or tips for mm-hmm. advisors that are working with entrepreneurs through exits. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I do. I um I have an online course that I created for advisors only called Jumpstart Your Exit Planning Practice that that does talk about the basics of exit planning and I have another online course that I designed for business owners that is about the process of exit planning and it educates them on the process and some of the things that they can do to get started. I think um, any advisor out there who, who hasn't necessarily gone through the process of, of exit planning very many times with their clients, um, if you have a percentage of your, of your database of clients who are business owners, then the sooner you can learn the process, the better, because it isn't about if you end up going through this process with a client, it's a matter of when. And the better job you do, the more everyone wins. And I mean, in my experience, and I'm sure it is in yours, Nikkei, uh, when you do a good job, you get referrals. So
0: Indeed. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think um, reading books, learning about it, listen to my podcast. It's all about exit planning.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's great. I was on there. Um, we did a recording together. It was, I it was awesome. Yeah.
1: I loved having you on the show.
0: Yeah, Thank you so much. Well, I've enjoyed this so much. I don't know if you've got any closing words, comments for listeners. Um, and also to share how folks can get in touch with you if they want to reach out to you.
1: Certainly. I think if you go to my Poised for Exit website, so poisedforexit.com would be the website. And I have another website, my consulting website, which is also linked to that, that you could find me at Key Strategies. Um, But Poised for Exit, you can find me, you can learn about the show, learn about the book, uh, learn about the online courses. There's some free... Uh, downloads available on the website that can help you if you're a business owner, just help you get the process started and start asking yourself some questions about what does the future look like? I think the sooner, the better.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
1: Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you, Nikkei. I really appreciate it.
0: Wow. That was so, so good. Three things that she spoke about that Really, I would love to highlight and impress upon you is number one: the importance of good counsel. Quite often, as entrepreneurs, like I mentioned on the episode, we're quite scrappy, resourceful people who get stuff done. And so, as a result, we tried to think that we could do a lot of things ourselves and figure stuff out, but the Thing is, with a sale of a business or transitioning out of a business, there's a lot of moving parts, different disciplines that may not meet your eye, like tax, wealth planning, estate planning, business planning. So I would ask you, who are your advisors? Who are in your council? Like, who do you call as your trusted advisors when you're making key business decisions or family transitions and what have you? And how are you choosing them? Do you have the right skill set to even make the decisions with respect to who should be next to you? So which specialties of advisors you need next to you? And then who's project managing your advisors? Who's quarterbacking your advisors to ensure that stuff is being done on time and to quality and meeting the needs of the family? These are really important things to be thinking about, not just for if you're looking to sell your business, but just generally as a family business as you're undergoing generational transition, right? The second thing is managing the psycho-emotional side with regards to transition and with regards to selling. And like I mentioned in the intro, a great accompanying episode to this is... Um, Not only Denise's, sorry, another one just comes to mind is I did a solo episode a couple of weeks ago, episode 129. And I spoke about how to help founders let go. The psycho-emotional piece, the challenges that keeps founders holding on and um, not letting go and then stops the next generation of leaders and owners grabbing on and making their mark and having their voice come to the fore. It's really, really important to move from a situation that's founder driven to one where voices get heard and we create an inclusive environment that is truly collaborative. How do we do that? I would encourage you to listen to episode one, two, nine and then. The third piece is the importance of giving yourself sufficient runway when it comes to generational transition, exit planning, because these things take time. And I would say start planning five to ten years before you anticipate whether you want to retire, whether you want to sell the business or all of the above because these things take time. It takes time for you to gain clarity over what's next for you in your next phase of life. It takes time for you to select the incoming leader and train and prepare them. It takes time to prepare the business for a sale or for an internal transition. There's a lot of work that goes in that. It takes time to choose advisors that really you gel with and have the right expertise to come to the fore everything takes time and you don't want to be making these decisions under pressure and because this is really your prized asset your family and your business what's more important so take your time and start thinking about these things early and I think a great starting point is to start having conversations as a family, start coming together as a family, start ruminating as to what's next for not only the founder of the business, but also for the business, for the next generation members, to start ruminating as to what do we want to see? What legacy do we want to leave? What legacy do we want to live? And start from there. And you can also have Um, A third party facilitator come into the room to help with project managing this whole stream. Folks like Julie have great expertise or you can have a family meetings facilitator. Um, These are many things to think about. And I explore this in my book, Lifetime to Legacy, which um, if you want to learn more about Lifetime to Legacy, the link is in the show notes where you can find more information and where you can order it from so if you have any questions always here always happy to bounce things off um yeah you can bounce things off me my email address is na at or you can go to my website and find all the details you need on me social media email etc so you feel free to reach out <laughs> as always thank you so much for tuning in take good care and god